Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg breaking down college football from a different angle. It's the College Football Film Room Podcast. And Happy New Year. Welcome inside the College Football Film Room alongside veteran scout coach and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg. New Year's Day is upon us, and I remember a time, Chris, and I know you do, where New Year's Day was the biggest day of the college football season. It's just not the case anymore, whether it's the playoff uh, having an impact on it or just the fact that there's so many bowl games that are being spread out across so many dates. It just feels like New Year's Day is no longer the biggest day of the college football season. Yeah, welcome to the playoffs because, you know, it used to be that that was your last football game. Um, it, you you finished. The Orange Bowl was always the last game because it would um, it was consistently on New Year's night. And even if there was a Sugar Bowl game, which the Sugar Bowl floated from some points New Year's Eve, uh, some points a little bit earlier in the day, uh, and then and the a lot of times it was up against the orange bowl, but the orange bowl always finished last because the orange bowl had the longest halftime, you know, the, the big show. And so it always finished last, and that was it. And then you next day, you waited for the rankings and, you know, it, sometimes it was obvious. Sometimes it was kind of close and it was a, uh, you waited for the announcement, which, you know, let's go back to bowl games were started as exhibitions. Then the the champion national championship was voted on before the bowl games back a long time ago. Then they incorporated the bowl games into determining who would be voted. And of course we went down to the BCS route and now we've gotten to the point where the bowl games are less and less meaningful. I've watched a lot of good bowl games. I've enjoyed them. Scott, it's amazing how, you know, so little interest is on the games, people watching them on TV, um, people watching them at the games. It's just, there's not many, uh, a lot of good games, but what's happened in the playoff mold is the games are becoming less important. It used to be great that you won 10. Well, first of all, you didn't win 10 because you only had 11 games. So you ended up winning like eight, nine games a year and you went to a good bowl game. That was huge. Now it's, oh, who cares? It's yeah. only about last Saturday and, you know, the semifinal games and the championship game. And that's what everybody's talking about in every bowl game is, and who do you think is going to win? The, that's where we, for good, bad, or whatever, how you view it, it's bad. You And, you know, you and I have talked about, you know, how they could fix this by making the bowl games part of the process. Yep. It would make the bowl games bigger. Could you imagine if we were finishing up today with instead of games that are on New Year's Day that are not New Year's Day bowl games, the Rose and Sugar are, but with all due respect to the Citrus and the Outback, that's that was pre-New Year's Day bowl games. Could you imagine if we had uh, Rose, Sugar, Orange, Cotton, maybe Fiesta last night, we'd have four or five games today. And along with the other games that were played, we were having a day tomorrow where we were going to pick four teams. Oh, it would be amazing. 
imagine how big the last maybe week or so would have been with maybe some teams like an Alabama with the big win in a bowl game or a, a, a Florida or somebody that, that, you know, because maybe an Oklahoma gets exposed in a bowl game. And, and we don't have to see them in a national semifinal. Yeah. All of a sudden, now we have a different look. We have more data. We have more games. And then you, 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 with the crescendo of, and people say, well, what about a, a an LSU, Ohio State, or Clemson? Hey, if they lose a bowl game against a really good team, the body of work of the season might still put them in the in the fourteen playoff. But could you imagine the games of the past week, ten days, two weeks, and today, and then then tomorrow we'd have the big selection show that would announce the four teams, it, it would make the whole month of December just that much more exciting, whereas now we're kind of, okay, let's get to some, you know, some intriguing bowl games that they're not going to matter as much as they used to, certainly wouldn't matter as much as if it was factoring into making it. But anyway, it is, a, you know, a good day of games, but not as, not as good as it used to be and not as good as it could be. Yeah, 100%. Uh, what's been your biggest takeaway so far from bowl season, maybe outside of the playoff? Um, you've been watching these teams. Certainly, to me, as I'm watching these games, you can tell that motivation is, is such a factor. And I, I, I get it. They're college kids. They're removed from school. They're in, in an unfamiliar setting. Some of them treat these trips like vacations and mm-hmm. – They're not exactly, you don't see them as disciplined or as really into the games as they would be if there was something a little more on the line besides just, hey, this is a final game of your college career or a final game to kind of impress the coach and and go into next season higher on the depth chart. Uh, I'm looking at performances. Take Utah, for example, Mm -hmm. who was without their top two cornerbacks. So, you know, everyone wants to talk about Sam Ellinger throwing four touchdowns in Texas, you know, routing them uh, a couple of NFL caliber cornerbacks, not playing in that game. And how really motivated was Utah against Texas? How really motivated was Florida, even though they came away with the victory? You know, th- th- if you look at Florida against Virginia, they should blow them out. It, it shouldn't even be a close game. Uh, you, you can go across the board, Chris, through all these bowl games where the outcomes have been, you know, rather surprising or just pedestrian. And I think that it's been motivation. It's been players not playing. And it's also just the wild unknown of how these kids react to playing in a in a meaningless game, for lack of a better term. Well, yeah, some are playing, want to finish off the season. Some are not playing uh, because of injuries or soreness and maybe not wanting to risk further injury to affect their pro career. Um, I throw in another one is coaches, assistant coaches. Yeah, yeah, maybe head coach coming back, but you got a Miami. I'm going to take you back in the early part of uh, you know a game that uh, was played on the uh, day after Christmas. You got Dan Enos was rumored to be likely going to be out as offensive coordinator. Pretty obvious that Manny Diaz didn't know what he was doing. He should have let him go before the game because – Pretty obvious they must have had some really awful practices because they were not even prepared. And probably Dan was 
preparing for his life. You know, so you you throw in a lot of that. Um, Notre Dame, however, good move. If Brian Kelly's gonna gonna move Coach Long up, uh, he did, and now you got um, Tommy Reese calling plays. What an impressive job dominating Iowa State. That was very impressive. Um, so I think kind of how you handle it, it's important. You know, Penn State was dominant over Memphis. Um, you know, uh, I, I you know you mentioned Florida. Florida maybe didn't play their best game, but, boy, do they look like a team that's built towards the future. Yep. Kentucky was very impressive. Mm-hmm. Navy did a good job yesterday. In, you know, again, Texas had a very off year. Once again, wins a bowl game, and I'm sure people are going to be excited about it. But you know, can you build on it? So, yeah, I think there's there's been a few games here in the last week to ten days that kind of are uh, been intriguing to track and watch. And I was very impressed with what North Carolina was able to do against Temple. Uh, and I can I you know how about Iowa against USC? They not only look the most physical team, they look quicker and faster. And that's another case that it was pretty obvious that the defense um, of, of USC, that there were going to be systemic changes and it didn't take but 24 hours to fire their defense coordinator, Clancy Pendergrass and John Baxter, their special teams coordinator. So uh, a lot of it had uh, air force, you know, controlling and, and out coaching Washington state and taking control of the game at the line of scrimmage. So they've been some intriguing matchups. Look, if you just, like if you just love football or even like it, man, it's it's fun to watch it, even though it doesn't tell you a whole lot or transfer into next year positively yeah. or negatively. It is fun to watch and see how these things match up. And listen, they count on your record as a coach. They count on your record as a program. And you can say, well, they didn't focus on it. Well, that's that's on you and your yeah. injuries are you can't be on your control. But if you if players don't want to play, welcome to the new age of football. And I don't know that it's going to change a whole lot going forward, particularly if you ever get to the point where they expand the playoffs. Well, then the bowl games are going to be less meaningful then because you're going to even have you know less interest in any games outside the bowl games. At least there's some games that you might make well, the I th- case. That, I, I think you know, we can agree. There's no need for 40 bowl games, Chris. No, no, there, there's there's no need for it. There's no need for it in terms of, you know, but 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 what is wrong with it, I would say, to the, the counter that. Like, uh-huh. for example, it doesn't determine anything, but the players get a free trip to mostly nice places. That I'm telling you, any I've never heard anybody say, man, I had a bad time at that bowl game. I don't care where where it is. I don't care if it's in Detroit or the Bahamas. I, I mean, they get treated well. They get yep. stuff. They get fed well. It's like a vacation. You're with your guys for the last game. Um, you get bowl practices. There's a lot of good for it. That is, it, it's, it's very good for the sport. It's very good for the players. It's good for the coaches. It's good for people in football, and it's good for the communities because it does bring in money to the revenues of those cities that have uh-huh. them. So I tell people that don't like it, don't watch it. But now ESPN needs programming. They own 90% of the games. So, 
you know, it's it's good programming. It, it, it doesn't mean anything in terms of who's going to win. But I think the games are really useful for the the fundamental part of football. So, look, if you got 40, great. Now, or have have do you have enough teams that had a good enough season to warrant it? Of course not. You're going to have 40 bowl games. You're going to have some mediocre teams that really don't belong in a bowl game that haven't really earned it. It used to be with 12 bowl games in my day, you have to have a one hell of a season to get into a bowl game. You don't have that anymore. And getting to a bowl, if you can't get to bowl eligibility in most cases, even at lower level, I mean, look at it. I think I counted, I've got 22 games, 22 games, bowl games that are involving group of five teams. So look great for them because they get to experience it, help their program and, Look, if you don't think it matters to, you know, Georgia State and Wyoming or, you know, Arkansas State, Florida International or App State UAB and Marshall UCF, and I I think it matters to those. But you're right. There's not enough. There are a lot of bowl games. And with that, you're going to have a lot of mediocrity making bowl games. Yep, absolutely. We'll get back into the podcast in just a second, but first let me tell you about my bookie. Christmas is coming gone, guys, but the Super Bowl is quickly approaching. We've seen just what our teams are capable of this season, and now it's time to get your last bets in before the bowl. Will the Ravens be able to get it done? Will Brady and the Patriots get themselves another ring? I bet you have a feeling, so head over to mybookie.ag to make your predictions a reality. MyBookie is one of the most trusted in the industry. If you're looking for a sports book to make some bets for the bowl games, MyBookie is where you want to go. Football not your thing? No worries. MyBookie's got it all, from the NBA to the Premier League. That's right, I said Premier League, not Premier League. They've got the fastest payouts, best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. You can even pull your bets together for a bigger payout. Let's Say you've got a couple of big favorites this week. Parlay wagers let you bet multiple games together, and if they all come out, then you win big. My bookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sports book around. If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to a thousand dollars. That means if you deposit two thousand dollars, you'll get an extra thousand in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV to get your extra cash from my bookie. Bet, win, get paid. Let's talk about how, uh, and we don't have to get into specifics as people are listening to um, this podcast. Some of these New Year's Day games might be in the books, and obviously you're looking ahead towards the national championship. Next week, we will get into the national championship preview. Of course, it's LSU and it's Clemson. But for for a coach like Nick Saban, uh, who you know very well, going into this Citrus Bowl against Michigan, how much does he view the bowl game as an extension of the offseason, Chris, where he's going to try and get a look at players and maybe coaches uh, to kind of round out what he's going to do and get an early kick start of what he's going to do in 2020? I think that um, most coaches look at these games, if you're not in the playoffs now, as the kind of the first game of next year. But with the understanding of, some of the people, maybe a lot of the people, depending in, in certain cases of certain teams, may have a lot of those guys missing, which is why you can't 
look at it as necessarily an indicator how next year is going to be. But I think that's what you have to do. Look, it's a combination of both. And I don't know if it's 50-50 or not, but it, it's the last chance in every one of these bowl games. It's the last chance for this team, whoever this team is, to be together. Because it will not be the same next year. You're gonna not going to have everybody back. Some will graduate. Some will come out early. Some will come back. Some will transfer. Some will transfer in. So it's not going to – it's the last time this team. So it's a chance to take a season, uh, in the case of an Alabama, to finish on a high note off of two disappointing losses, probably looking at it what could have been. You know there were injuries, significant injuries. A lot of people have them. You could, I think, after watching, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about the semifinal games and how that played out a little bit, how it looked to both of us, but I don't think anybody would argue that uh, an Alabama, an Auburn, or Florida, probably better teams than an Oklahoma. More deserving getting into the playoffs? No, but probably better teams. I think you can build upon it. I think you can make these bowl games what you want. I would say this, Scott, that losing a bowl game like this creates some negativity Uh, maybe towards like, okay, if you lose a third game and you never do, then that's bad. If if you you kind of, you finish on the strong note, look, I mean, Texas won a big game last year. Was Georgia really in the game? You know, it, it was fool's goals for Texas. It didn't translate. Yet, I thought Florida's win last year in the bowl game kind of propelled them a little bit in a positive direction. And I think, I mean, I don't think it was the bowl game that did it, but I think it helped. So I think you can use it. In a case of a team like Auburn and Minnesota, those are two teams that had really good years. Auburn, tougher schedule. Uh, but Auburn loses so many guys off that defense, it's going to be a different looking team. But I think it's pretty important for that team to finish off and not finish off poorly. And I think for Minnesota, it's a great chance for them against a really good opponent. So I, I think those things really matter probably more than the outside public thinks. Absolutely. Uh, I want to talk about one of the biggest topics of conversation surrounding uh, the world of college football and, and in the NFL uh, over the past week or so in past couple of weeks and certainly moving forward. Baylor head coach Matt Rule, Chris, is getting a lot of love. Uh, he came out, though, says that the plan is for him to stay in Waco I, I don't expect him to say otherwise. You know, he's having a press conference for a bowl game, and, and he's not going to say, yeah, I'm going to take the first job that's available. See you later. So, no, he, he said the right things. He says, uh, I plan on staying, which is, you know, what, what you expected him to do. He's a leading candidate for the Giants job, which is what we've heard is the only job that he would leave Baylor for. Uh, he work, certainly worked under Tom Coughlin's staff in 2012, has some familiarity with Dave Gettleman. What is it about Matt Rule, though, that is garnering him all of this hype with a potential job in the NFL? You consider this guy who did a nice job resurrecting a program in Temple, if you will, but was only there for as a head coach, what, a couple years? Goes to Baylor, terrible situation, brings them from, what, 1-11 to double-digit wins? Okay. Big 12 is not exactly the, the the powerhouse conference that um, 
you know, we've seen, and he lost two games to Oklahoma, which got blown out by the best team in the country in LSU. So as a, a head coach who's 47 and 42 overall in his head coaching career in college, Chris, why so much love for Matt Rule? Well, I, I'm in the Matt Rule love affair, you know, uh, just from a coaching evaluation standpoint. I'm a big believer in him, uh, and, and I have said it for a long time while people have talked about Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley. Matt Rule is the guy that for a couple of years that has been on my radar that uh, I think is out. Why, out you you want to know why? A great leader. Tremendously organized, great leader, uh, great vision, and implements. I, I can't tell you, and, and certainly let's give credit where credit's due. The initial turnaround of Temple was Al Golden. Uh, Al was the first one to kind of figure, but Matt did a phenomenal job. And when you look at what he was able to implement, organize administratively, and to kind of take that program to a little bit of a different level at Temple was impressive. Goes to Baylor. I can't think of a worse situation. Maybe his alma mater, Penn State, when Bill O'Brien took it over after the the awful Jerry Sandusky situation. Think of a situation in Baylor that was worse. You've got, you know, um, basically everybody that was anybody in Baylor administration was fired because of turning their back on. I'm just going to call it what it is. It's it's out there. It's, you know, a, a, a abuse, rape, sexual abuse and rape rampant on that football program. So he's having to go in and just not build a culture. He has to tear down a bad culture and then rebuild it and do that in a recruiting environment, which Baylor, look, Methodist school got money, but they haven't won anything really. You know, I know Art Browse had success, but again, that became accessible. He's not only tore down all the negative parts, but then it's built it up to where, look what he's done now. Now he has got it to where, Look, everybody talks about he got beat by Oklahoma. He, he has far less talent than Oklahoma. And I thought in both cases, he got the most out of his team. And in a conference where everybody was up and down and winning a couple of games and then losing one, Baylor was the most consistent team in the league. Yeah, you're right. Oklahoma beat him twice. But Baylor didn't lose to Kansas State like Oklahoma did. Uh, Baylor played Oklahoma I thought very well twice when they were, in my opinion, 14 to 17 points inferior from a talent standpoint. So, look, I mean, I'm not going to sell him on anybody. I'll just tell you that and he is he coaches at the college level like a pro coach. He's very organized. He's very engaging. Um, and, look, I mean, I think he – I think he'd be great at his alma mater at Penn State, but he has an NFL background. You mentioned it. He worked under Tom Coughlin. He knows the Giants organization. And anybody that kind of grew up in that Northeast, it's, you know, for people who don't know that, you know, the Patriots, for those of you that are maybe 30 years old or younger, I mean, that's a team. But the Giants are the team of the East. 
you're, you're there in New York. You know that the it, it's a it's a different type of clientele, Giants and Jets. But the Giants in the entire East, even in Pennsylvania, where Matt were, were big. I mean, yeah, Steeler fans, but but the old guard, the Giants were the team of the Northeast. If you grew up, guys like his parents are. So he grew up kind of in the Giants and, you know, family. And, and he obviously worked under Tom Coughlin. So whether it's the right fit or not, he'll have to decide that. But that to me, he would be a home run hire in terms of a leader, in terms of, you know, what do you want? You want guys that can lead men. Everyone focuses on the hot coordinator and the play caller this or that. You're talking about somebody that's a good fundamental coach that can lead men organize and i think that's what most teams that are looking for head coaches that's what they've lacked and i think you know putting together good staffs i mean he's done all of those things and he's young he's energetic i think he'd be a great fit for anybody i know carolina would absolutely love him maybe they're willing to give him more control maybe he can you know we'll see what he wants to do maybe he'll just say you know what after looking at it he may just say I'm going to stay at Baylor for now, and, and maybe the right opportunity will come along. Look, he could have had the Jets job last year. That's but right. The, the Jets wanted to name his coordinator. I, he was smart enough to say, I'm not going to do that now. I'm not going to go and ruin my reputation because somebody else is going to screw up the soup. You know, let me, you know. So, look, I think he's going to be eyes wide open. He's very smart. So, to answer your question, I've been long-winded here to get to the point of, I think the guy's an outstanding leader, an outstanding football coach. And quite frankly, if you're looking at well, the Redskins with Ron Rivera makes a lot of sense. But w w if you're looking at what do the Giants need that they've lost, they've lost level of stability. And I know that the, 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 the media and the fan base was ready to run Coughlin off and, and maybe that was time, but they've really missed on, well, finding the guy that can be this flick caller and get the most of EI, get the most out of Odell and do, and it, and it, you know, the leadership, they've just not had that. Penn McAdoo was it, you know, Pat Shermer, good young, you know, yeah, NFL, my Matt's got some NFL background, but the big thing is leadership. So I think the people that would say, oh, he's just a, college guy what are you doing i'm gonna tell you there's some other options out there for the giants you know he may be the best option we'll see what they do and we'll see what he does but i'm gonna tell you i think he'd be dynamite uh by the couple of years ago when josh mcdaniel turned down the coach stuff matt rule they interviewed him there they were floored and he backed out of the coach stop kind of for the same reason Josh McDaniels did because of the concern about Andrew Luck at that time. Yep. But his interviews, when he's interviewed and laid out his plan for Jets and for the Colts, absolutely floored the folks, as I thought it would, because, again, his organizational skills. That's, uh, that's great information there on Baylor head coach Matt Rule. Guys, it's 2020, and you know what it means? New year, new me new balls. Men, listen up. 
Harry bushes are so 2019. If you're going to pick any New Year's resolution this year, let it be to take care of your junk. And Manscaped is making it easy with all of their grooming products. Look, I personally use the Lawnmower 2.0, and the best thing about it is its proprietary skin-safe technology, so it doesn't nick or snag your nuts. Because I've used trimmers before that have cut me. And trust me, guys, you don't want to get cut down there. It stinks. Another thing is, you don't want to use the same trimmer on your face that you're using on your balls. That's just nasty. I got a buzzer for my beard, and I got a buzzer for my junk. It's as simple as that. And Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, because you already put deodorant on your armpits. Why not put deodorant on the smelliest part of your body, even though mine don't smell? Well, Probably because I use the crop preserver. Anyway, get 20% off and free shipping with the code BELIEVE at manscaped.com. That's the code B L E A V at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Start the new year off right by using the best tools for the job. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BELIEVE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping. Shipping at manscaped.com if you use the promo code BLEAV. All right, Chris, uh, what other coaching news are you focusing on? Uh, I know at LandryFootball.com, you're certainly keeping track of the coaching carousel around college football here as we uh, try and wind down bowl season leading up into the national championship game, which we will preview on next week's episode. On LandryFootball.com, certainly which coaching changes or possible changes are you following? Well, I think we need to focus on the USC situation as they need to hire a new defensive coordinator, uh, what they're going to be able to do. And certainly in a, I think, another lame duck year for Clay Helton. We'll see how this this will work and whether they can get their guy. Uh, Texas is, of course, plugged in there, guys. I think what I'm looking at more than anything is more changes because what we're going to see is after bowl games, maybe some more changes. We'll see. Um I would think at this point that we're going to get a few more changes around um, this time of year, in, in, unless there's a, a you know current coach, and really Matt's the only one right now um, that I see potentially getting offers. Ryan Day's got some interest with NFL people. I, I think we're going to start to see it settle a little bit because I think you want to get it settled before February signing day, and at that point, if you haven't made your changes on your staff prior to then, uh, the pickings are going to be clean. But uh, kind of finishing out staffs, so Florida State's done a really good job. Um, you know, uh, but kind of mainly the USC situation is most intriguing at this point. And then following what else might happen. Uh, well, can, I, can, I, can I give you a name for USC? And, yeah. and well, he's probably going to get NFL um, head coaching interviews. But why not Chris Richard? From the Dallas Cowboys. He's a USC guy. He certainly knows what he's doing on the defensive side of the football. I know he's like their passing game coordinator also, but he coaches the defensive backs. Doesn't that seem like a slam dunk USC hire? Well, no, because I don't know that Chris will. I mean, first of all, he's, you know, he's going to get in and he's not a real strong candidate, but he'll get an interview with the Giants and a couple of others for the head job. And he'll end up as a coordinator in the NFL. He'll get a job in the NFL. So I don't see him going to USC in a lame duck situation. I, I don't see that. Now, 
if he were, you know, if it was a new head coach at USC on a five-year, new five-year contract, and he was going to be the assistant head coach, and he uh-huh. just yeah, got let go by the diff- It's a different situation. It's a yeah. different situation. So, look, it's a great move for USC, but I think Chris has going to have some other options and, you know, probably could end up back on Pete Carroll's staff if if he doesn't get a coordinator job. So I, I think he needs to look at it. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't rule it out. It certainly would be a great move for, for USC. Another another uh, news that I mentioned is the other watch is uh, it, it looks like, and it's not done because obviously they're preparing for a championship game, but Joe Brady, I, I think is, you know, I would say 90, 95% certainty coming back to LSU but he's certainly going to get some interest in, you know, being a coordinator in the NFL. Um, I know Greg Roman, who will, you know, probably not, you know, get a job, get the, get a head job, but might uh, certainly interviewing um, the offense coordinator doing such a great job um, with the, with the, the Ravens. That's his, you know, guy that he wants to bring with him as offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. So, that is not a complete done deal. Let's let's see Joe Brady finish the season. They certainly have an offer on the table that he'll probably sign to stay with LSU, but there may be a couple of NFL opportunities, so that affects the colleges. So we'll we'll certainly we'll certainly um, keep our eye on that. I also want to see if if Tennessee, if Jeremy Pruitt might not make a couple of changes on his staff that might be able to upgrade their recruiting a little bit. We'll see if that happens after um, Thursday's Gator Bowl game against Indiana. All right, Chris. Well, we're certainly going to keep it uh, locked into LandryFootball.com for all of that, and we will follow you on Twitter at LandryFootball for all the latest breaking news. Uh, Again, next week we will preview the national championship game between LSU and Clemson. We are going to uh, give you a full film room preview of that game and give you our predictions on what happens in the national championship game next week. Uh, enjoy the rest of the bowl games, the new year's day bowl games, Chris, and everything leading up until uh, next week when we gather and preview the national championship. Hey, look forward to it, man. Uh, I will enjoy it. Happy new year to you and to everyone out there. And uh, we'll reconvene next week with a lot more to talk about of what happened and most importantly, getting everybody ready, as you said, for the championship game. He's Chris Landry. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the College Football Film Room wherever you get your podcasts from or simply check us out on the Believe Podcast Network at BLEAV.com. Happy New Year. Everyone has a favorite photo. Now you can turn yours into canvas wall art at canvasworld.com. Canvasworld.com will print your photograph on a handcrafted custom canvas at the size of your choice. They combine the latest technology and environmentally friendly inks to produce canvas prints that are higher quality than ever available before. And they guarantee their work for life. Maybe that's why six of the country's top 10 hotel chains choose Canvas World. Their prices are a fraction of what you'd pay elsewhere and it's easy. Just upload your photo, choose a size, and you're done. They'll even digitally retouch your photo absolutely free. Place your order at canvasworld.com today and save 35%. Plus, get free shipping when you enter promo code PHOTO at checkout. Get big Canvas prints at big savings at canvasworld.com and save 35% and get free shipping when you enter promo code PHOTO at checkout. Order yours today at canvasworld.com. That's canvasworld.com, where photos become art. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.